Just in and so good. Thousands of summer deals at your Nordstrom Rack Store. Save up to 60% on new arrivals from Vince, Rag & Bone, Adidas, Joe's, Marc Jacobs, and more. Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack. But hurry for first dibs. Get your summer favorites up to 60% off at Nordstrom Rack today. Great brands, great prices. That's why you rack. Who doesn't love a classic chocolate chip cookie? Famous Amos has been making them since the 70s, 1975 to be exact. With semi-sweet chocolate chips and a satisfying crunch, it's everything classic in one bite-sized cookie. And fans couldn't get enough. That's right. You'll find our original recipe, the one you know and love, in every bag of Famous Amos original chocolate chip cookies. Find Famous Amos anywhere you buy your favorite snacks. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. It's why I still play. I, I enjoy playing. So, you know, especially when you're when you're having success, when you're driving the ball down the field, scoring touchdowns. I mean, I just, you know, I feel like the luckiest guy in the world sometimes getting to go outside and play football with my friends. Fitz Magic is back. It's just a matter of time before it becomes Fitz Tragic, but let's enjoy it while it's here. <laughs> Ryan Fitzpatrick. Unbelievable performance last night. The Dolphins trample the Jaguars just like everyone expected the game unfolded just exactly no it did it, it, it did good morning it's PFT live Peter King Mike Florio Peacock hello if you're watching us live Sirius XM 211 NBCSN on the re-air at 9 a.m eastern Sky Sports 7 o'clock UK and Ireland time week three preview but week three Thursday night football review and it was a rewind for Ryan Fitzpatrick it was Fitzpatrick at his best Peter, equal parts passer and fullback. At one point last night, I think Joe Buck compared him to Larry Zonka, and that wasn't a stretch the way the guy was running the football. How shocked were you by what we saw from Fitzpatrick and the Dolphins last night? You you said it right at the top. You, you know, I, I really think there are times when Ryan Fitzpatrick plays that you look at it and you say, this guy is a playoff quarterback. Uh and there are other times where you say, oh, my God, Tua can't get ready fast enough. But I think, Mike, you know, there's two big lessons out of this game last night. Number one, the Miami Dolphins saved their season. And that Miami Dolphins team can be a contender. Now, will they be that way every week? Does it help to play Jacksonville on a short week? Apparently. Uh, but... You know, I think the one other thing to think about with that game last night is I, I kept thinking, now, haven't there started to be some noises that Gardner Minshew is the franchise quarterback and the Jaguars don't need a quarterback and they're fine with Minshew? And when he overthrew, I think it was, uh, geez, I'm trying to remember. He overthrew, I think, Chris Conley by about eight yards when he was wide open, running into the end zone, wide open. And I just said, you know, maybe we shouldn't be so fast to say that uh, if the Jaguars are picking first, that they shouldn't take uh, uh, Trevor Lawrence. So I don't know. Those are my two takeaways. And, and by the way, does Ryan Fitzpatrick have some fun playing football? I mean, he's got he some is, fun playing football. He really and he went is. to Harvard, he's a if fun you haven't heard that. Yeah, I he's now beaten that. the Jaguars yeah. on six different teams. Ryan That's Fitzpatrick amazing. is now beating the Jaguars. <laughs> six different teams, six different uniforms. It's now easier to list the teams that Ryan Fitzpatrick hasn't played for than the ones that he has played for. But he's back in that, that vibe that we saw a couple of years ago when Jameis Winston was suspended and he was the Tampa Bay Buccaneers quarterback. And, 
and he does ride that wave and and it all works and it works incredibly well until the moment that it doesn't and that's the thing with ryan fitzpatrick he will from time to time have the planets line up and everything works and he's a playoff caliber quarterback and when you buy in that's when it happens see we're setting the stage for a week four meltdown by Ryan Fitzpatrick by praising him this much because the moment we buy in is the moment that it goes off the rails and I can't remember another quarterback who performs like that where there are these huge swings and just when you think he's finally got it all figured out it goes in the other direction which is just amazing to me here are some of his teammates though praising Ryan Fitzpatrick for a great performance that we saw on Thursday night against Jacksonville. Fitz is out of his mind. He's 38 years old and still, you know, playing this game like he's 23. Um, but, you know, to have him as, you know, our leader and, you know, you to see the, the fun that he has. And, um, you know, I, I mean, after I, after I scored my touchdown, you know, we just came off to the sideline and just started yelling and screaming and chest bumping. I mean, it's just it's so fun to play with him. Um, you know, whether it's those plays like, like, like you're talking about where, you know, he refuses to slide and all that kind of stuff, uh, or it's the, the fun that he has or the experience that, that he shows to the guys around him, um, you know, whatever it is, uh, it's always great, you know, playing with him. Coming into a game, a Thursday night game like this, he's always just kind of laughing and joking, uh, trying to make sure everybody's just honed in and just not too amped up, not too low. Just, hey, let's, this is the game we played since – we were little kids. Like at the end of the day, this is the game we play, and this is what we're here for. We're here to ball out. How he conducts the huddle, how he conducts this offense, uh, really reflects on you know how we can perform. I think it's like we we did a good job tonight with it. You know, I've been making the argument recently, Peter. We've seen what Joe Burrow, the first overall pick in the draft, can do. So far, so good. We saw what Justin Herbert, the sixth overall pick in the draft, can do unexpectedly last weekend against Kansas City. So far, so good. Let's see what Tua Tonga-Vailoa, the fifth overall pick of the Dolphins, can do. Throw him into the fray. Let's go. Let's see what he has. And Ryan Fitzpatrick is holding that off. There's no way you can flip from what we saw last night to Tua because you can't keep that guy on the bench because as of right now, the absolute best that Tua could do, if everything fell his way, would be to replicate what we saw from Ryan Fitzpatrick. Yeah, and I think it's going to be very interesting to watch, especially, Mike, over the next two weeks, okay? Because the Miami Dolphins have Seattle at home, and then they go to San Francisco. And again, San Francisco is about... 55% of San Francisco right now because of all the injuries. But these are two really good, uh, have good parts of a team. But I kind of am going to be fascinated by Seattle making that long trip and playing against a team that is competent offensively and woke up on defense last night. Especially because when you look at Seattle right now, Seattle's been gashed some so that's not the impossible dream for Miami to give Seattle a really good game next week and then hey the 49ers will see I don't know who's going to be on the field for them but I I definitely think you're right you can't switch to Tua now and you know the thing is I said this yesterday we're getting closer and closer to that point in the season that I call correction Sunday where we think we know we think we understand we think we have it all figured out and then results happen that that make us say what the hell were we thinking and last night's game was a warning shot in that regard the desperation that the Dolphins had at 0-2 and the fact that they played the Patriots and the Bills pretty close right they didn't get blown off the field they didn't get embarrassed maybe that should have told us that they were in a position to get a win and and this was one of those you got to get your wins when you can this is a win you got to get because you may lose the next two and 0-3 becomes 0-5, and then you got a real problem if you're the Miami Dolphins. Then it's last year all over again where they had to dig out of that hole, and we know what this team's capable of because they dug out of that hole last year. I guess that's the key. If they could get off to a little bit faster start this year and finish the way they did last year, and they've got that back-to-back games against the Jets week 10, week 12 with a buy-in between, that's a couple of wins. Check those off. This is a team that, with seven playoff spots, this is a team that could make things interesting if they can play like they played last night. 
You're right, Mike. But And again, you don't want to go down too much of a rabbit hole looking at the schedule. But look at the last month of the season. You know, Kansas City, New England, Vegas, and, and at Buffalo. So that that's, you know, even if they're in good shape on their schedule with four games to go, even if they're, let's just say, six and six with four games to go, that is still going to be a Batan death march to a, uh, to a, a playoff berth. So, you know, as, as crazy as it sounds, I mean, Miami has got to be over 500 after they have that game against Cincinnati, I think, when is it? Yeah, early December. So th- those are the kind of things I think when you look at Miami long-term, there can't be many more sacrificial games uh, for Miami coming up this year. And, and I don't want to go too far down the rabbit hole of the realities of scheduling in the NFL, but when you now have four playoff spots that go to division winners and three that go to wild cards where you cross division lines, that spin of the wheel every year that gets you one division in its entirety in your own conference and one division in its entirety in the other conference, if you're an AFC East this AFC East team this year, and you have designs on getting a wild card berth, and half your schedule is against the AFC West and the NFC West, that that's an uphill climb for everybody. And th- this yeah. is one of the things that I think, as as we see how it shakes out a few years with this seven teams per conference, there's going to be a focus on this idea of how fair is it to make half your schedule hinge on just whatever year it is for you to play all the teams of this division and all the teams of that division because it does make it hard for the Dolphins, the Bills, the Patriots, the Jets, whichever team doesn't win the division. They've got some tough, tough games that get compared across division lines to see who gets those three wildcard berths. Brian Flores in year number two as head coach of the Miami Dolphins doing what he can to turn around a franchise that has been more dysfunctional than not over the past 40 years or so. Here's Flores talking about how it's all starting to pay off given all the work that they've been putting in. You know, it's always important to, uh, you know, when you work hard for something and you, you, uh, you see the fruits of that labor, like I just mentioned, it's, it's, it's a good thing. Um, hopefully it builds confidence, but um, we've got we to continue to work the way we've been working and continue to grow uh, as a team, um, as a staff. And, you know, it feels good to win. That's, 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 it definitely feels good to win. You know, and here's the key, Peter. And I think this is a critical component for any of the coaches who come from the Bill Belichick tree, guys who have been with him for years, who go out on their own. They bring a different attitude. They bring a different requirement. It's zero fun, sir, as uh, we heard in Remember the Titans, which came out 20 years ago, I think, yesterday. You have to win to get your guys to buy in. At some point, they have to see that this works. And if it doesn't work, they're eventually going to say, hey, look, I'm, I'm okay with zero fun, sir, if we win. But if we're still going to suck, I'd rather have fun while we suck. And, and that may be the difference between Matt Patricia in Detroit and Brian Flores in Miami. Once they start to see that it can pay off, then they say, okay, we get it. We understand. We can sign up for zero funds, sir. Yeah, I think you're right, Mike. But I also think that, you know, Patricia has more of a track record. He's sort of on the edge of an abyss right now. Um you know, who who knows whether he's even going to make it through this full season. Um, and, you know, whereas Flores, I think the the end of last year, you know, having a better record than New England after Halloween, I think really buys him time and, and quite honestly buys him credibility in his locker room. Because those guys last year, midway through the season, whatever they were, 0-7, um, midway through the season, those guys started to see that even though their record wasn't very good, you know, they played some pretty darn good games. The game they played at Pittsburgh on Monday night, uh, they, they, had some, they had some good games last year. And so I guess the way I look at the Miami situation is their arrow is pointing uh, definitely, you know, maybe not this way, but at least this way a little bit. And you know, in Detroit, 
I, you know, I, I, I don't know. I don't see much of a way out of this, you know, especially if Matthew Stafford is not a 5,500-yard quarterback this year or something. I mean, he he's going to have to really, really uh, make that team score 30, 32 points a game down the stretch, in my opinion, for them to win because their defense just isn't good enough. We know that Matthew Stafford is the best thing the Lions have going for them. What's the best thing the Dolphins have going for them? I think the the fact that they see that what Brian Flores is doing is working and just keep doing it, okay? Even when uh, you have some bad losses, even when you open up with a real clunker to the Patriots and score 11 points, you know, against a team that's totally rebuilding its defense, basically, or it's at least, you know, its linebacking core. And, you know, don't go crazy when that happens because when you're building something, uh, you know, it's going to take time. And and the other thing I think they have that you can really hang your hat on is a trust. A trust in this system that Flores has put in, a trust in the personnel things that Chris Greer has done as general manager. And And look, you know, Mike, last year, early in the season, that locker room was very skeptical. You know, after getting rid of Minka Fitzpatrick, after getting rid of Laramie Tunsil, after getting rid of Kenny Stills. But now you look at it and you say, hey, listen, we've got some good young players in those positions. And, you know, you're starting to see them. And Gasecki is not a rookie or anything like that, but he's a really good young player, one of the best young tight ends in football. And those are the kind of people you start seeing on this team. And so you have a trust in the system and say, we're going to be okay. You know, last year, Gardner Minshew was viewed as sort of a poor man's Baker Mayfield. Early this year, maybe Baker Mayfield is a poor man's Gardner Minshew. But last night, it was rough for Gardner Minshew, Peter, as you mentioned earlier, the overthrow. I think part of the problem was every drop back, he had someone in his face. I mean, if you're not going to give a guy any blocking whatsoever, it's kind of hard to run the offense. They've got something special in James Robinson, undrafted from Illinois State. He's got burst. He's got that factor. You can just tell he belongs. He delivers punishment. He keeps going. He holds onto the football. He can catch it. He can run it. He scored two touchdowns last night. He's got it. Without DJ Chark last night, who was ultimately scratched with chest and back injuries, that made it harder for Minshew. But, you know, Peter, look, I, I still believe in Minshew. I, I just think that he needs to play in a game where there aren't constantly guys from the front seven everywhere he goes. Well, I would agree, Mike, but, you know, and I hate to be Belichickian here, but it is what it is. You know, Russell Wilson survives with guys in his face. And again, I'm not I'm not uh, comparing these two guys, but you know, when you're a quarterback in the NFL, you've got to deal with what you have. And Russell Wilson deals with it fine. He got hit hard on 3 of his 5 touchdown releases on Sunday against the Patriots. And Gardner Minshew last night really struggled with pressure. Really struggled. Uh it, on the rollout, he made a a really bad read. And it should have been intercepted. There were just too many dolphins around the ball, you know. So I guess I look at it and say, I like Minshew too. But too many performances like that last night. And, uh, you know, all the jorts are going to disappear. And the orange Clemson jerseys are going to appear in the crowd with Trevor Lawrence's number on it. I still think the Jaguars have a long way to go before they're in contention for Trevor Lawrence because there are some pretty bad because teams of the in Jets. the NFL right now. <laughs> because of the Jets and because of the Vikings. The Vikings are going to give the Jets a run oh, for their money on. by the time it's all no, said. Uh, you've, have you watched? Have you watched? Stop. Have you watched the games? Have you? No, watched I the have game, not Peter yet. King? But no. Okay. But uh, hey, listen. You the, know what Kirk me. Cousins is. Trust me. Yeah. Hey, Mike. Kirk Cousins is going to throw for three eighty this week. You know, four touchdowns, no interceptions, because that's who he is. Yeah, you know, one week he doesn't he's have awful. Stephon Diggs anymore. Yeah, well, hey, yeah, you're right. Yeah, we'll see. He doesn't have Stephon Diggs. I think that's one of the big problems. One of the big they're not winning. Like hey, Mike, Mike, they're not winning three games. They're not winning three games. Who? The Vikings? The Vikings. Yeah. 
I, you know, I, they're not going to be in contention for the first pick in the draft. Yeah, well, uh, we'll, we'll see. We'll see how that plays out. And I don't know that the Jaguars are only going to win three games. I thought when you said the Vikings aren't going to win three games, I don't need to win 14. That's what I thought you meant. No. I'm ready to go no, under no, three no. wins for the Vikings based on what I've seen so far. Hey, how about this last That's because you're a fan. I, no, I'm a realist. We saw for the <laughs> second time so far this season a player get ejected for contact with an official. And Cam yeah, Robinson, I don't know what he was objection. thinking. <laughs> well, but here's the thing. He's at the bottom of the pile. And he's trying to get the football. And and I thought they ejected him for the first one where you see him push the arm that's the, kind of yeah. draped over the top of his helmet. But then he's got a guy on top of him who's in black and white stripes and he pushes him away. And that's where he crossed the line. The first one I'd give him. The second one, it's like, okay, I understand why they ejected the guy. Yeah. When you see those black and white stripes in your face, you can't start flailing your arms and kicking your feet. You know what I didn't see in that, though? I mean, and again, I'm not positive what exactly happened, but I would really like to know. I guess we're going to have to do a Zapruder film of that tape. But what I would really like to know is, was was he looking? What he saw, did he see the ref? And did he actually push the ref knowing it was the ref? That's what I would like to know. And, you know, here's the other side of it, too. If they're going to get into the fray like that, there's a certain amount of incidental contact. Yeah, jostling. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. If, if, there's, if there's a group of guys and they're in that, that scrum and you decide you're going to physically insert yourself into the middle of it and then you're going to start ejecting guys for contacting you once you've inserted yourself into the middle. See, you've converted me already. Because I thought, hey, he's, the guy's right there. He's on top of him. It's clearly the official. That's the point where you have to stop. But he's in that get-off-me mode. I mean, God only knows what was going on at the bottom of that pile. God only knows what uh, Dolphins players were grabbing and twisting at the bottom of the pile. We've heard the stories over the years. You get to a point where you just want to get the hell out of there. And, uh, yeah, if you're the official and you're going to jump on top of that, then you're you're assuming the risk of, of, God forbid, getting your arms shoved away by a player who's trying to escape the pile. Um Meanwhile, Peter, I think uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick may have raided your closet after the game last night. Do we have the photo Let's of see what it. he had on? I think that oh, is that yours. That's mine. <laughs> Those are my pants. Those are my pants. <laughs> oh, that's oh, how they boy. did the thing. I went to bed last night. I didn't see how they did their interviews. Well, and they do all of the post-game interviews now with the microphone on a stand like that because they're trying to limit the number of contact points. Just another little step in the direction toward keeping everyone free from COVID-19. So that was last night's game. Week three off to an interesting start. Hopefully more games don't go like last night's game went because last night's game is the kind of game that makes me want to go back to the laboratory and try to figure out what the hell I'm doing when I'm deciding who's going to win and who's going to lose because that was one of those, man, it wasn't even close. It'd be different if it was close and it was a fluke. It was just the Dolphins just blew them off the field, and I thought the Jaguars were going to win the game. All right, we're going to take a break. When we return, some conversation yesterday uh, from Dak Prescott and Aaron Rodgers regarding issues unrelated to football, but important things that we need to be listening to and reacting to. We'll do that when PFT Live continues right after this. That's disgusting. I don't understand um, that one at all. There's a lot of things in this country um, that I don't understand that we're looking at right now. As I continue to say, it's, it's about us to educate ourselves, about us getting registered to vote uh, and going out there and doing that and making sure that we're educated on who we're voting for and um, what they're going to do while they're in office. Uh, so, I mean, that's that's one of the biggest things that I'd say we, we've taken a step as a team is, is trying to just talk about Talk about that, the importance to vote and the importance to, uh, for our voices to be heard throughout our communities and be leaders there. Uh, but that's simply um, unacceptable and don't understand um, an officer not being charged in that case. That's Dak Prescott, Cowboys quarterback, yesterday meeting with reporters talking about the decision to not charge any of the officers involved in the shooting death of Breonna Taylor in Louisville earlier this year. And, you know, Peter, when I see that when I hear that I think boy it wasn't that long ago that the question wouldn't be asked and the answer wouldn't be given and it's amazing how far we've come where we're at the point where it's natural to ask the question it's natural to give a real answer and it's natural to not care if there's a segment of the audience that hears it and disagrees and gets mad and huffs and puffs and may or may not blow someone's house down 
Well, I remember at the start of the season when people were looking at anecdotal television ratings evidence and saying, see, people don't want athletes to be talking about this crap. They just don't. And they're going to vote with their feet, basically, in their eyes, and they're not going to turn on the games. Well, as I said at the time, I said, to me, it's just, that's a lie. It's an absolute lie because people will watch football. People like football. They can compartmentalize their anger over no matter how far to the right, left, middle, wherever they are. They know that now that athletes are going to speak up and say what they feel, just like LeBron James did. Last night in the middle of the game, there's an Adidas commercial and Patrick Mahomes is talking about, you know, all of the social ills in our society. So these guys are not going to shut up anymore. And I say, good for them. And I do believe that at the end of the year, I don't know what the ratings are going to be. We saw the last time in an election year that the ratings cratered for a while because everybody was so intensely interested in the election in 2016. Who knows what the ratings will be this year? I don't know. But to, to think that John Doe in Plano, Texas is going to say, well, that's it. I'm not watching Cowboys Seahawks Sunday because my quarterback is talking about Breonna Taylor. I mean, you know, first of all, it, it, that's, that's not going to happen, number one. And number two, it might happen very, very, uh, in a very scattered way. But I don't believe it's going to happen to, to do something like crater the television ratings. And it's amazing to see the dog whistling of racism that happens in situations like this. And I know there's going to be people who get mad just because I've even uttered that phrase. But here's the reality. Anytime one of these incidents happen, the reaction by some is predictable. They're going to view the facts in the light most favorable to the police officer and in the light most unfavorable to the black person who was killed. And let's just ponder for a second what happened to Breonna Taylor. And let's just ask ourselves whether this entire concept of no-knock warrants needs to go out the window because if it's any of the people out there defending what happened to Breonna Taylor, put yourself in that situation. You're in bed. You have guns in your house because you fully and completely support the Second Amendment. And you also know that you have the right to shoot and kill anyone who breaks into your house. Well, the no-knock warrant authorizes police to break into your house without announcing who they are. So if you're home and you're in bed and someone's breaking into your house, you're going to shoot first and you're going to ask questions later. And the problem is in that situation, the shot first came from the person who was in his house that was getting broken into, and then a, a cascade of bullets entered from the police officers who didn't identify themselves in advance. That's it. It's that simple. And you know, people want to try to other side everything. Look, it's just it's it's a defect in the legal system that needs to be addressed, uh, independent of whether and to what extent the police officers behave properly. You're setting up shootouts by allowing this to happen, because if people are going to exercise their Second Amendment rights, you have to assume they are going to have guns in the house. And if you break into someone's house, you're going to get shot at. That's what bothers me about this more than anything else. We've allowed this situation to exist that makes everyone's house potentially the OK Corral, Peter. And Mike, you know, really last night, it was very interesting watching the news. My wife and I watched a lot of news last night uh, before the football game. And there was a neighbor, one of Breonna Taylor's neighbors, uh, it, it said that she heard nothing uh, before the door was broken down. So again, it's, it's basically the police... The police's word that they announced their presence uh, versus the word of um, Breonna Taylor's boyfriend who said, I never heard anything. Uh, and now there's at least one person who said, I never heard anything either. But be that as it may, be that as it may. And be that as, you know, hey, one Peter, shot Peter, from the guy. A, a, yeah. Hey, let me say this. There's a lot of stuff I don't hear when I'm sound asleep. I mean, yeah. you know, that's the other, I mean, it's the middle of the night and people are asleep. You can't process information. All you know is somebody's yeah. breaking into your house. So uh, yeah. I, anyway, it's, but you know, the other, the other part of tiring. it, Mike is the other, the other part is 
Listen, you know, we saw the Attorney General of Kentucky the other day stand up and act outraged that anybody would question the decision. And I'm just saying to the TV, sir, there was one shot fired by one side and 26 shots fired by the other side. You think we sh and somebody died who had no business dying. I mean, you think we shouldn't be questioning that? And, and, and so look, I don't know. We didn't sit in the grand jury hearings. We don't know everything. I get that. But to think that there's not going to be outrage by the American people and by very responsible uh, black athletes and white athletes, uh, I think is nonsensical. And here's the reality of grand juries. You know, you hear the saying all the time, you can indict a ham sandwich if you want to. And more importantly, you cannot indict Charles Manson if you want to. It all comes down to how the prosecutor presents the case. The grand jury typically follows along whatever the prosecutor presents because there's no one else there to offer the other side to it. So if the prosecutor doesn't want to have an indictment, there's a way to present the evidence that results in no indictment. And again, we don't know what happened, but there's a lot of discretion both to get someone charged and to not get someone charged that a prosecutor possesses. What do we think happens this weekend? Because when everything went sideways a month ago, after the shooting of Jacob Blake, Russell Wilson said, hey, if we had a game this weekend, we wouldn't play. How do we think this carries into what we see in week three? I definitely think there's going to be some amount of demonstration. I don't know what, it was, what it's going to be. Quite honestly, I thought one of the NBA games might not get played uh, this week. And, and I was a little bit surprised that both series continued as normal. And I'm not saying they should or they shouldn't, but... I assumed that something was going to happen there. And Mike, I don't know whether it's going to be um, some team uh, not coming out for five minutes or I, I, I don't have any idea what will happen. But, you know, I would be surprised if at the uh, 15 games that remain this weekend, if there wasn't something at one of those games uh, that, uh, you know, that spoke to the outrage of so many players around the NFL right now. Yeah, I agree with you completely. And that was one of the things that that hovered over the start of the season. You know, we worry about COVID-19. Another reality is another incident, another video that makes people outraged by what appears plainly and clearly to be the use of excessive police force against a black man or woman. That's going to cause potentially a shutdown of the NFL the way we saw it in the NBA. All right. Another issue that Dak Prescott's been involved in, and he got some ridiculous blowback from someone in the media a couple of weeks ago he got some support from Hayden Hurst when the Falcons and the Dolphins played over the weekend or the Falcons and the Cowboys excuse me uh Dak Prescott and the issue of mental health Aaron Rodgers earlier this week speaking to reporters addressing the important issue of mental health here's Aaron Rodgers I think there's been a lot of players across the uh, sporting leagues who've who spoke out you know I know that uh, Kevin Love said some things a few years ago and at the time, I remember some of the responses to it. There's there's a weird uh, uh, stigma around it that it's almost weakness to either ask for help or to admit you're struggling with things or admit, uh, you know, thoughts you might have, that negative thoughts about yourself. Um, I think uh, this you know, strength is taking care of yourself and taking care of your mind and understanding how important your thoughts are because they become things and understanding uh, how important positivity is and your attitude and uh, waking up uh, each day with the right focus and the right mindset and taking time to be quiet during your day and whether it's five minutes, 10 minutes, an hour, you know, and, and still your mind, allow your, your brain to uh, rewire itself and, and change, uh, you know, change the outlook and, of the cells in your body, get them to get out of protection mode and into growth mode. Um, I think it's, it's great. You know, when, I saw what Dak said. I applaud him. I think is phenomenal speaking out because that's true courage and that's true strength. It's not a weakness at all. It's not, you know, and anybody who attacks it, uh, you know, that has other people's opinions of ourselves have really nothing to do with us. That's a great line I heard. Um, and other people's opinions of Dak has nothing to do with them. Those are their own insecurities about, uh, their inability to deal with their own shit, probably. And I applaud, I applaud Dak and, and I think, uh, Hurst as well had some words for him after the game. I think, uh, it's a beautiful thing when people start talking about it, um, because 
I think at the, at the bare minimum, it makes you more relatable to people that, you know, we have the same struggles and the same issues and the same desires to grow and change and see things in a better positive light that so many people out there do. And I think the more that we can connect with people, especially on uh, conversations like this you're talking about, Matt, I think uh, the better our society can, can be moving forward as a connected uh, society built around love and positivity. Another soundbite that a few years ago I never would have dreamed that we'd hear in that context, <laughs> in that set. Right, right? But thank God for it, Peter. Thank God for it. The brain is as imperfect an organ as every other organ in the body can be. You break your arm. You need an appendectomy, right? You get cancer, whatever the case may be. Mental health and and uh, and issues of that that type, it's, it's incredibly common. And the worst thing you can do when you're dealing with those issues is to ignore them, to, to have that mindset, well, there is a stigma and I'm not going to be perceived as tough if I, if I say I need to talk to somebody or that I can't handle things. It's okay to not be able to handle things. And, and when you think about what a professional athlete has to handle, my goodness, especially early 20s, right? You've got money that you've never had before. What the hell do I do with it? It's stressful to have to figure out what the hell do I do with this? Where do I get a bank account? Who do I trust to invest it? Who's going to try to steal it from me? And then you've got people who want it from you, who expect things, who are going to accuse you of changing. You're different. You've changed if you don't give them what they want. And then you've got to go perform. You've got to step out into a crucible of 70,000 people who hate you and are screaming negative things at you. And then you go to social media, and God forbid you don't give somebody two touchdowns and 100 yards rushing that weekend for their fantasy team or they're going to make threats at you. I mean, that you know, we, we think it's this life of luxury. It's not. And, and that doesn't even get to the physical toll of playing football. I mean, when you think of what these guys go through at an early age where their brains haven't even fully developed yet, they're not fully developed at least until they're 25. We're putting a lot of stuff on these guys and we just think, oh, they're rich and they're famous. What are they complaining about? Well, there's a lot of issues that come from this. And the average person would not even be able to handle 5% of it, Peter. Yeah, I think one of the biggest things that, that teams increasingly in the last few years have really tried to address is the, the money that's given to players at a very early age. And uh, because clearly, if you go from, let's say you're in college football and Look, I don't, I don't know how college football works in terms of, you know, who gets paid, who doesn't. Who, I, 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 I truly don't know. And I would assume that there are some guys who come out of college and come into the NFL who would not have been able to buy more than a Happy Meal at McDonald's, you know, in their college days. And now all of a sudden they find that they've got $2 million dollars in their checking account or whatever account it is. That is the thing that over the years, I know that so many NFL teams have tried to address and they should address. Not to mention the incredible mental pressure that there is. All of a sudden you're going from playing a game in college for no money, you get nothing whether you win, you get nothing if you lose, whatever. And now, you know, you understand that your livelihood is on the line every week. Imagine the mental pressure that is on that. And again, nobody's crying for these guys. Uh, you know, it's a great life for so many of them, but that doesn't take away the fact that there is some pressure. There's definitely pressure. There's that ever-present possibility of a serious injury, something that would take away your career like that. And then you know, you know you've got a limited number of years. You know that as you get farther and farther into your career, which is just a matter of two or three or four years, that's when you start after worrying about, am I making too much money? Are they going to draft somebody that's going to take my place? How long can I hold on? And then you have to pick up and move to another city because you get cut by the team that you really wanted to play for. It's one of the unintended consequences of free agency and the salary cap. Guys wanted to be able to go wherever they want. Well, some guys want to stay where they are for the entirety of their careers and they get dumped two weeks before the start of the season. Good luck. You're done. Now you got to go find. So you got to move across the country to find employment. So it's there. There is a ton of stress.
for all professional athletes. And there's a ton of stress, especially in this day and age, with everything that's going on in the world. We all experience it. If you need help, you get help. And you don't worry about getting, you know, a a, a weird look or a weird passive-aggressive comment from a friend or a family member. And those people who would do that are the ones who really do need the help. They need to understand that not everyone can deal with the pressures of of modern life, especially as modern life continues to get stranger and stranger, Peter. Mike, you know, the other day I had a conversation with Dak Prescott after that weird game where they came back to beat Atlanta 40 to 39. And at the end of the conversation, he was driving home. And at the end of the conversation, I said, hey, Dak, I'm going to tell you one thing. I said, I got, I can't imagine how you felt about your life, you know, this off season, you know, where Every 15 minutes, there is a new story about your contract and four years, five years, this amount, that amount, franchise tag, not franchise tag. I said, I got so sick of it. I wrote in my column one week. I said, that's it. I mean, I am, I am going rogue. I'm not discussing one sentence of Dak Prescott's contract until it's resolved, you know? And he goes, thank you. Thank you. He said, I, I sometimes I think sometimes, well, hey, I'm just young. I don't understand and, and I haven't seen everything in the past. I said, no, 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 no. This was the all-time contract discussion record. And he just started laughing and he goes, hey, listen, it's like I tell the beat guys and, and beat women. Uh, he said, I, I, I said at one point, I said, look, there's a reason why I have an agent. He handles everything. I don't talk about this stuff. So please don't ask me about it. And, you know, I got the feeling that along with everything else, and obviously, you know, his, his brother's death this offseason, everything going on in his life, uh, it, you know, it was a pretty crazy year for Dak Prescott. Well, let me tell you, on top of everything else I respect Dak Prescott for, one of the things I respect him for the most, his ability to, to never cave in to that, that shtick, that Jerry Jones throw your arm around the guy's shoulder and explain to him why the team needs him to take this deal. And he's never given in. He's always stood firm. We rarely see a football player do that. At some point, they give in. At some point, they sign on the dotted line. They feel like they have to because it's it's for the good of the team. And you're being selfish if you try to get more. And and that I I I, I I'm blown away. Of all teams to be able to take that stand against the Dallas Cowboys, where there's a proven track record of ownership getting involved to get the deal done, to be the closer. And it always works, except when it doesn't. And it didn't work and hasn't worked so far on Dak. Well, here's the, to me, Mike, this is the most interesting thing. And I absolutely ripped the Cowboys and Jerry and Steven Jones, who, Look, they run their team their own way, and and they've won three Super Bowls. So, you know, I'm not sitting here saying I know any more than they do. I really am not. But they blew it with Dak Prescott in a very, very big way. And it's getting worse now, okay? And, And you say, well, why is it getting worse? Well, they blew it because contracts for quarterbacks never go down. Never, never, never. They never will. So to not sign him a year and a half ago was an idiotic thing. To not throw another couple million or not throw another year on the thing. You've been around Dak Prescott a lot. You you know, I mean, just give him the amount of years he wants. He's going to be the most responsible human being in your organization. There's Jason Witten. He's gone. Now there's Dak Prescott. Those are the guys. But the other part of it, Mike, is that it's very likely that in the next two years, at least next year, the salary cap goes down $23 million to $175 million. And it's likely that in 2022, it's way down. So you're talking about quarterback money keeps going like this. And the, the salary cap is going to go down 13% next year. And so, you know, the Cowboys really are in a hole with this. And the bottom line, both figuratively and literally here, is $37.68 million. 
That's what Dak is entitled to next year if the Cowboys apply the tag again, regardless of where the cap goes. So if the cap goes down 13%, his pay goes up 20%. 37.68 in cash and cap space with no ability to, to wave a magic wand and shrink the cap figure. No, not unless you sign into a long-term deal. And that's what he's going to be dealing with next year. Same as this year. And it's a very simple analysis. I get $37.68 million this year, and who the hell knows what's going to happen in 2022. Maybe I become a free agent. What are you going to offer me on a long-term deal to get me to give that up? So he's winning on the field. He's winning off the field when it relates to how much the Cowboys are ultimately going to have to pay him, and he's definitely winning when it comes to making us all aware of the realities of mental health. So good for Dak on all fronts. We look forward to seeing him play this weekend against the Seattle Seahawks. When we return, some key injury updates, plus the 49ers having to go back just one week later to the place where they suffered so many serious injuries in week two. We'll talk about that when PFT Live continues right after this. Justin and so good. Thousands of summer deals at your Nordstrom Rack Store. Save up to 60% on new arrivals from Vince, Rag & Bone, Adidas, Joe's, Marc Jacobs, and more. Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack. But hurry for first dibs. Get your summer favorites up to 60% off at Nordstrom Rack today. Great brands, great prices. That's why you rack. Who doesn't love a classic chocolate chip cookie? Famous Amos has been making them since the 70s, 1975 to be exact. With semi-sweet chocolate chips and a satisfying crunch, it's everything classic in one bite-sized cookie. And fans couldn't get enough. That's right. You'll find our original recipe, the one you know and love, in every bag of Famous Amos original chocolate chip cookies. Find Famous Amos anywhere you buy your favorite snacks. Pandora makes it easy for you to find your favorite music. Discover new artists and genres by selecting any song or album and we'll make you a personalized station for free. Download on the Apple App Store or Google Play and enjoy the soundtrack to your life. The 49ers go back to MetLife Stadium this weekend after a Week 2 game against the Jets that resulted in multiple lower leg injuries. Nick Bosa gone for the year with an ACL tear. Solomon Thomas ACL tear, Raheem Mostert knee injury. The list goes on and on. And, Peter, the report came out yesterday that all parties involved, NFL, NFLPA, they went back, they took another look at the field, everything is supposedly fine with the field. Good luck convincing the 49ers of that after what they went through this past weekend. They believe there's an issue, and sometimes that just makes you even more upset when you're saying there's an issue and no one's listening. Like when you take your car into the shop and you try to tell the mechanic there's an issue, and the mechanic's like, I don't see a problem. No, there's a problem. And, and I don't, you know, the challenge for the 49ers this weekend, because they're going to have to play on that surface, Kyle Shanahan's got to get them to quit thinking about it, not worry about it, because there's nothing they can do about it. They have to go out and play. You know, what Kyle Shanahan did was back his players. His players saying this turf is terrible. But what really told me something, I heard Ian Rappaport talking about this yesterday, Mike, is that, you know, it wasn't only they had the two teams there, but... And they also had the NFLPA there and an independent turf specialist to come in and to say, here's what we think about this turf. Now, you know, you got to take them at their word. They came out, you know, kumbaya, this turf is fine. So, you know, you're right. He's got to come out this weekend and they have to play with a severely depleted team against the Giants. And again, look, Everybody will look at the Jets and Giants as an entry, okay? They both stink. One's the 31st team, one's the 32nd team. No, that isn't the case. The Giants are not that bad. The Giants could give the 49ers a game this weekend, and they could be very competitive this weekend, even without Saquon Barkley. Uh, and, and look, the Giants have their injuries too, but you're exactly right. Kyle Shanahan has to stand in front of them Saturday night or whether it's going to be a virtual meeting Saturday and he's got to say hey look remember when we were all complaining about the turf never mind you got to go out and play on it tomorrow so we'll see what kind of effect it has but if you're a professional you have to trust look I've seen the union in the past Mike justifiably go crazy about some surfaces in the NFL 
and the fact that this union now signs off on it, I think the NFL, I think the players on the 49ers have to say, okay, we're okay with this because our union has been fiercely independent when it comes to certifying fields. So I, I do think the 49ers have just got to suck it up, play on the field that they apparently hate, and realize that, you know, maybe, just maybe, there was a little bit of an overreaction there. Or, or, or the 49ers believe that the NFLPA is now part of the problem because no one's listening to us. Either way, they've got to process this by Sunday. And George Kittle, his status in question for Sunday's game after suffering the knee injury week one, will the 49ers hold him out an extra week because they do believe that there's an issue with the turf. That's going to be one of the interesting questions as Sunday rolls around. I think it's going to be very hard to keep George Kittle off the field. You have to keep him out of the stadium in order to keep him off the field because he will play no matter what if he feels like he's able to get out there and move around. It came out yesterday from Anthony Lynn, the Chargers head coach, that Tyrod Taylor actually suffered multiple fractured ribs in week one, wasn't on the injury report Wednesday, wasn't on the injury report Thursday, Coach Lynn created the impression that Tyrod kept it all to himself, which I don't know how you can keep that to yourself all week long. But then as of Thursday, they did an MRI. They saw the fractures. They had him on the injury report. And that's what led to the pain-killing injection that resulted in the punctured lung. But, you know, it just seems like every day there's another nugget that comes out about what really happened with Tyrod Taylor. But the bottom line is he suffered broken ribs week one and he was trying to play through it and uh, it was fine until it wasn't. You know, this story, you know, after I heard the 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 Adam Schefter report, uh, you know, about the injection that collapsed his lung and, you know, you hear that and your jaw hits the floor. Holy cow, how did that happen? But you you understand that Tyrod Taylor definitely wants to play in the game and he'll do whatever it takes. But Mike, I think this really brings to light the fact that players, you talked about it in the beginning, players desperately want to play and they have pressure on themselves to play in these games. That's right, because if you don't play, someone else is going to play. And if they come in and play well, you may not be playing anymore. We're going to be talking plenty more about week three. Big games coming up in New England, Seattle, New Orleans this weekend. More PFT Live coming at you right after Justin and so good. Thousands of summer deals at your Nordstrom Rack store. Save up to 60% on new arrivals from Vince, Rag & Bone, Adidas, Joe's, Marc Jacobs, and more. Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack. But hurry for first dibs. Get your summer favorites up to 60% off at Nordstrom Rack today. Great brands, great prices. That's why you rack. Who doesn't love a classic chocolate chip cookie? Famous Amos has been making them since the 70s, 1975 to be exact. With semi-sweet chocolate chips and a satisfying crunch, it's everything classic in one bite-sized cookie. And fans couldn't get enough. That's right. You'll find our original recipe, the one you know and love, in every bag of Famous Amos original chocolate chip cookies. Find Famous Amos anywhere you buy your favorite snacks. <laughs> 